Welcome to Shelter in Place, a podcast about finding daily sanity in a world that feels increasingly insane. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. Oftentimes people will say, you should take care of yourself or don't do this thing for me unless you really want to. But what they don't understand is that I always want to. I always want to be helpful. And the folks who know me really well know when to push me to take care of myself or to not say yes, or they frankly just don't ask me a favor because they know I will say yes. And they're careful not to take advantage of that. That was Hillary Davis, who is coming to us today from Massachusetts. Hillary is my husband's little sister, the one who introduced me to Moki Musao, who in our very first conversation ever, a conversation that I loved so much, talked with me about systemic racism in episode 67, Circling Back. Hillary also put me in touch with independent presidential candidate Mark Charles, who shared in episode 72 about how 11 years of watching the sunrise over the Navajo Nation gave him insight into our country's need for a common memory. Hillary has some pretty remarkable friends. She's a pretty remarkable person herself, which makes her a great guide for this episode of looking at this time through the lens of the Enneagram. Here's Hillary. I'm 34 years old, single, and living with two family members as we shelter in place. I'm an Enneagram 2 with a one wing. The word I would use to describe myself is devoted to people, to ideals, to causes, and to the world itself. One key thing I've learned about my Enneagram type is that I instinctually jump to meet needs in others, sometimes the same needs that are unmet in myself. This is both a redemptive and potentially a self-destructive quality. As a two, I constantly walk around in this delicate balance between healthily sublimating my personal suffering into work on behalf of the world's suffering, which is often energizing and joyful, and just total unawareness of my own priorities in life. This podcast is a great example. My beloved sister-in-law asked me to write something for this podcast because she knew I'm pretty into the Enneagram, and I love the feeling of meeting a need and playing a role in making the world more connected, so I dropped whatever my tentative plan was, and I sent her something. Am I possibly missing out on going for a jog or attending to one of my own projects? Absolutely. Do I feel that? Not at all. At least not in the moment. It's very difficult when responding to any kind of request to stop and evaluate. Is this something I actually want to do? Is there something else I'd rather give myself to? It just doesn't occur to us not to meet a need until we are utterly exhausted and our bodies or spirits start screaming. This is something I wish that people in my life understood. Some of the most difficult times in my friendships have been when I have actually tried to say no out of a sense of self-awareness of my limits, and the friend has asked again, and it puts the two in the position they hate the most of having to fight between their own needs and somebody else's. In that sense, the pandemic has provided some lovely relief from the usual barrage of social expectations. Birthday parties, baby showers, weddings, neighborly needs for meals cooked, church volunteer work, you name it, the two is there. You know that bridesmaid who's been in 17 weddings because everyone considers her their best friend? That's a two. 
I've been thrilled during COVID to have zero social obligations and to have more autonomy over choosing how to spend my own time. Now, do I still spend most of my time attending to the needs of the world? Absolutely. My day job, by the way, is working as a hospice chaplain. Before the pandemic, I drove around from house to house visiting my patients in their homes. I'm still seeing some patients, but I've limited my visits to what are considered essential, and I'm doing a lot from home, calling and video calls. When I tell people I work in hospice, their first response is often, that must be hard. But honestly, I've come to the conclusion that it takes more energy to avoid something hard than to confront it, at least in the long run. And I think the ability to tolerate and transform suffering into joyful community can be the genius of the two. In my line of work, there are good deaths and there are bad deaths. As someone who's lost family members to suicide and murder, as well as to old age, I've experienced the difference, and I'm happy when my patients' families get to share a good death, when they have no regrets, when they've said their goodbyes and their I love yous. By night, I work as a volunteer with an organization called Citizens Climate Lobby, advocating for legislative solutions to climate change. For fun, I like to garden, and if I'm really attending to my own soul, I try to make music. The thing these activities have in common? Staring reality in the face. The realities of life, growth, and death. The climate activists I work with motivate themselves with a similar thought process. I want to go to my grave without any regrets. I want to be able to look my grandchildren in the face and say, I fought as hard as I could for your future. If you love someone dying of metastatic uterine cancer, you don't look away as she's rapidly losing weight as her skin pales and models, as her eyes sink in, as her bowels become incontinent, and at 69, she wears diapers. Rather, you look at her and you focus your gaze on that beautiful soul you've always known and loved, and you hold her hand until the very end. As I watch the earth that I love so dearly model and leak and roil and pus, it's tempting to look away from the nasty mess. The thought of one-third of all plant and animal life going extinct is just too sickening. Cancer and climate change have one thing in common. They sure make us feel helpless, angry, and numb. But after doing that ritual dance of avoidance and denial, I find it's safer to feel all our love. Because I think that that's what grief really is. It's just love. I've always been a naturalist, and the last decade of worse and worse news about the climate has been gut-wrenching. It's like death and loss and grief are my bread and butter. For me, like for most twos, the deepest fear as I stare into the future is that I will be alone and that I will regret not having shared my years on Earth more intimately with someone else. There are personal dreams of mine that have not been fulfilled, specifically to be a wife and a mom. And in the era of COVID social distancing, it seems less likely than ever. As an Enneagram 2 with a one wing, Hillary is naturally drawn to justice issues. She's lived and worked among Native populations on a reservation for years and spent months in Calcutta. She's not just a helper, she's an organizer and an advocate. And as a two, she feels things deeply. I knew that the events of the past few weeks would hit Hillary hard, and so I checked in with her this week. In typical two fashion, she sent me something within minutes, even though the only time she had to record was on her drive to work. Here's what she had to say. When I woke up on Monday morning and read that yet another black man had been murdered by yet another white police officer on Friday night in Atlanta, I was enraged. I just 
couldn't believe it. It just felt, I mean, believable, but really unbelievable in this climate. And the two under stress moves toward eight, which is a very aggressive energy and we can snap, but that aggression can also activate us into trying to fight for justice. I have felt a lot of grief and rage over the last several weeks. It is a grief and rage that are very familiar to me as I've been working on racial justice things for most of my adult life. I am never short on ideas about how to help and how to jump in and how to get involved. I'm just constantly thinking of petitions I can start and protests I can join and letters I can write, phone calls. It's not hard for me to figure out how to join the fight. It is a bit harder to be mindful about when it's meaningful for me to get involved. The needs of the world always seem significant. It's just a common experience of a two that you feel like everyone else's problems are more important. I'm constantly trying to figure out how to balance my needs versus the needs of the world. I think that's the central preoccupation of most twos. And today is my 35th birthday. And for the last several weeks, I've just been very, very sad about what this birthday means for me, specifically just marking the fact that my fertility doesn't have a lot of years left and I'm still single and I don't have any children and that's been a heartbreaking reality for a long time. Been trying to balance my compulsion to join the fight for justice and to find solidarity with other people, especially people of color, in my anger but to also give myself permission to be small, which is how I think of it. Twos want to be very involved and kind of big in their areas of influence. But giving myself permission to be small is something I'm working on and to be sad and to kind of curl up into a ball if I need to do that. With my particular sadness about being single and not having any children when those have always kind of been my two main objectives in life, it's not a big injustice in the world. You know, other folks look at me and they say, oh, you'll probably meet someone tomorrow. And there's no particular reason to despair other than it's just been a long, ambiguous grief haul. And so that's hard because there's really no public space where my grief matters. And I really appreciate the friends who've walked a similar road that do experience some solidarity with me in this sadness. It's a private grief and I, I carry it around 24 seven and it drains a lot of my energy and frankly motivates a lot of my desire to distract myself from my own life by engaging with the world. Working in hospice, I'm providing ritual spaces for a lot of types of normal grief. I don't think our culture is great at grief in general, but some types of grief have a public recognition we have Veterans Day or Memorial Day. I mean, I don't know that any grief really gets as much as it deserves, but there are some that are societally more acceptable to talk about, such as the death of a loved one. The grief of slowly watching your dreams die or getting your hopes up and then let down again over and over and over. There's nowhere to go with that. I don't go to church anymore because it's just a constant reminder to me of the type of family that most folks have that I don't have. And a lot of the theology talks about God providing for our needs and I just don't find that to be true in my own life. I've had to just give myself permission to quit a lot of the communities I used to be part of because they're just too painful and they don't provide space for people like me. I wish this grief were acknowledged.
I've had a joke with myself that for my 35th birthday, I don't want happy birthday wishes. I want condolences for all the things that I've grieved over the years privately. Over the years, I've learned a lot from Hillary about the importance of grieving properly, of calling it like it is, even if there's no easy answer. It's why lament is one of the themes that I've included in this daily search for sanity. Because, as Hillary said, grief is just love. Maybe love that has no place to go. It's safer in the end if we allow ourselves to feel all of it. Proper lament acknowledges that grief has many layers, that one grief doesn't cancel out another. It takes a long time to work through it. I wonder if our country might be in a very different place today if we'd understood this a long time ago. At their best, twos are unsung heroes, equally devoted to caring for those around them and working with endurance to better our world. They see the needs around them and attend to them almost automatically. We honor them well when we don't take advantage of their generosity, when we allow and even encourage them to sometimes say no. I asked Hillary to tell us what she needs, if she could give us the daily sanity of caring better for the twos in our lives, especially if that two is you. What I need right now is for the people who care about me to understand that sometimes I just need space where I'm not helping anyone. It means the world to me when someone jumps in and and does for me what I do for others. Support a cause I care about when they sign my petition or when they validate how crappy it is that I'm still single and offer to try to set me up. Even if the date doesn't work out, I feel that solidarity and the gesture matters deeply. My greatest comfort is to be in nature. And when I feel down, I find a beautiful place. In my own sadness, I feel a real kinship and a real closeness with the earth and with her sadness. And the weird thing is that when I let myself feel all my grief and when I keep my heart open fully to the world, staring her in the face, I do feel happier. I love working with my fellow climate activists, even if it all goes to pot in the end. I like giving families the gift of a good death. I like puttering in my garden, even if the aphids get all the tomatoes again. Shelter in Place is grateful to be sponsored by Delta Wines, the refined daily drinker with a social good built in. These California wines are fresh and approachable, perfect for casual dinners at home. For every $15 bottle you buy, Delta donates $1 to fighting climate change. Buy online at winesforchange.com and use the code SHELTER to get 10% off. If you found today's episode meaningful and listen on iTunes, Stitcher, or any platform that allows you to rate and review, leaving a quick note about what you appreciate about the show moves us a little closer to being able to make this work sustainable, not just now, but in the future. As always, you can find show notes for today's episode as well as ways to support us at laurajoycedavis.com. The Shelter in Place music was created by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions. Tamara Kemsley is our associate producer. Nate Davis is our creative director. And Sarah Edgel is our design director. Until tomorrow, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis. <laughs>